what oh. the heck? Look, I'm just going to record like this. <laughs> it keeps doing that. Why? It's possessed. I don't know. Okay. Speaking of possession, we talked about this, Grace. We, oh. I'm glad I said that. We say all the time, um, you know, sage it up. If there's any type of possession, any ghostly activity, any paranormal activity, sage it up. Yeah, and I don't know. I just realized um, this past week that we've never explained, like, what we do. It Yeah, and it's completely different from smudging because smudging is a ritual for specifically Native Americans. Right. That you and do not really want to infringe upon unless you share their beliefs. Right, unless you're part of that culture. Yes. Which we, as white people, are not. Are not. Uh, so we just want to put that out there. Um, what we do is more of like a cleansing. Or like like a smoke cleansing. Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, the same. Yeah, in like me in particular, when my family, when we cleanse our house, we do a cedar cleansing. Then we do a sage cleansing. Then we go through and do a Pelo Santos cleansing where that invites in the good energy. And see, I thought Pelo Santos was um, endangered, like, the wood. It might be, but this is stuff that my ex gave me, so. Oh, God. So I'll use it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. But it is really good for inviting in the good energy. As is the cedar, but you know, you, you make your own rituals. Um, I'm actually working on making some, um, like you know, they've like got the sage bundles. I'm making mm-hmm. like a lavender stem bundle. Yes, so that's the one that we so used last much time. Lavender and so many different types of lavender. Yeah, that's the one that you, we used last now. time. Yeah. Lavender, and it smells awesome. Yes. Yes. But yeah, we just wanted to add that. just found out well i just found out about this app that i want to do oh the um we're gonna do it together fuck what's it called mm, shit i want to say round tree but that's not it no it's um <laughs> randonaut Ran, um what rando randonaut where not. you like you put you have this like specific intention and um you give it like these certain options and it takes you to this this place like within a certain distance from you and you yeah. find interesting things which we um, need to do yeah, after this quarantine well, quarantine is over yeah because there was that one friend group they found a, a dead body that was i don't want to do that no no we're not but, no we're not going to find dead bodies we might have a murder podcast really cool stuff oh no no, <laughs> no other people find not. really cool stuff like in the woods and like 
they find nice cats. They mm-hmm. find like raccoons. Pretty things. Yeah, <laughs> I saw someone who stumbled upon a family of raccoons. They were just feeding the raccoons, so and I was like, "Oh my god!" You went out again. I know. <laughs> I fixed it. Well, um, but yeah, that's really all I've got for this week. It's been a pretty boring week. Yep. Yep. Same here. Same here. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Ow. Since we both have places to be, things to do. Yes. Yes. Hi. Hi. I am Rachel. Ahoy, hoy. I'm Grace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That just Welcome made me back. think of Spongebob. Okay, welcome to our podcast. We are Myths yes. and Misfortunes. Paranormal and True Crime podcast. And each week we pick somewhere in the world and base our stories on that place. And or surrounding areas. Woohoo! So... Where are we this week? Oh my god, you know what is so funny? What? I forgot to write the history. <laughs> okay. Whoops. I'm gonna read this almost word for word, and then when I tell you what it is afterwards, you're gonna laugh. What's the source? That's what I'm gonna tell you afterwards. Ah, make you laugh. Okay, okay, okay. Wikipedia okay. or YouTube? I'll tell you afterwards. Ah. Okay. I would have to be listening to it and repeating exactly what somebody said. If you I definitely could. Uh, okay. So the area that is Austria today was once occupied by uh, Celtic tribes for much of its early history until it was conquered by the Roman Empire, much like with Bavaria. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a... <laughs> Don't go too fast. <laughs> With the fall of the Roman Empire, the region once again was ruled by local tribes until about 788 when it was conquered by Charlemagne. People know Charlemagne. Charlemagne. The region <laughs> The region became known as Austria in 976 when it was ruled by Leopold of Babenberg. 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 Okay. In 1276, Rudolf I became the first Habsburg to rule Austria. Don't mm-hmm. ask me what that is. I don't know. It's a Habsburg. It was the start of the Habsburg Empire, uh, which would rule Austria for 750 years. Oh, wow. That's... The Habsburgs began to grow an empire beyond the current borders of Austria, making Austria a center for power in Europe for a while. Hmm. In 1848, Franz Josef I became the... Ha- uh, Hob- I keep on wanting to say Hamburg. <laughs> The Habsburg ruler and would rule for nearly 70 years until 1916 when he died. Mm. He made a lot of changes to Austria. One thing he did was give more power to Hungary by creating what was later called the uh, dual monarchy. Mm -hmm. And that began the fall of Habsburg domination. Later in 1919, after World War I, the empire collapsed and the Austrian Republic was created by the Treaty of St. Germain. In 1368... Oh, shit. Hold on. We backed up a lot. No. No? Yeah. I mean, yes. Yes. Yes, we did. I said the wrong. I said 1638. It's 1938. Austria was annexed into Germany as part of World War II. Um, Most of Austria's Jewish population was either killed or forced to uh, leave in the Holocaust. Mm Mm-hmm. This went on until the war was over in 1945, and Austria was divided up after the war 
and didn't become a fully independent country again until a treaty was signed in Vienna on October 25th, 1955. So... <laughs> okay. Uh, so my source for this uh, is um, Duxters.com. Duxters? Duxters.com, and the title is Geography for Kids, Austria. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna have to call one of my ducks Duckster now. Oh, fuck. Um, Duckster. I'm really sorry about not writing the history. I just... That's okay. I I think I started writing my story on Thursday and then yesterday. No. Friday I got so fucking drunk. It's fine. It happens. That midsummer. It's good, though. Great. It's fantastic. um, I will do better next time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, don't say next week. That's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't promise I'll do good. All okay. Right. So, speaking of Vienna, Austria, that is yes. where my what story is, story is at. So, originally on the drive, I put that I was doing one person. Instead, I'm doing kind of the group that she was a part of, which is the Lane's Angels of Death. Oh, but it's really short. Like I couldn't find a whole lot. I went through like five pages on Google and just, I couldn't find a lot. That's okay. sounds great. Okay. So my sources are a book titled Moving Targets, Women, Murder, and Representation by Helen Birch. I have to read the whole book now. Okay. Wickedwee.com, Wikivisually.com, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, NewYorkTimes.com, TheGuardian.com, AlteredDimensions.net, super cool website, Anomalian.com, InAcademic.com. Oh my god, I think I have that source too. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, InAcademic.com, ChicagoTribune.com, JustCriminals.info, and Insider.com. Wow, you were not kidding when you said you went through five fucking pages. I went through five pages of Wikipedia. Or Wikipedia of Google. (laughs) Close enough. (laughs) Pretty close. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, in the sense that we're talking about today, an angel of death is a type of serial killer who is employed as a caregiver and kills people who are under their care. So nurses, doctors, whatnot. And these killers just really enjoy having the power to kill or save someone, similar to a god complex. Yeah. And this is exactly what happened with four women in the Lanes General Hospital. This was the fourth largest medical facility in Vienna and was even considered to be one of the premier hospitals in Austria. In spring of 1983, Waltrude Wagner was working the graveyard shift at the ripe age of 23, close to our age. One yeah, night... Sometimes I see people doing, like, really, like, successful, like, being really successful, successful. and also being in our age, and I'm like... Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, one night while working in Pavilion 5 which was an area of the hospital that was reserved for their more difficult patients. Um, Due to unruliness, mental illness, or just in general, patients who required special attention, extra care. Particularly a lot of older patients, like deathbed old. 
One of her patients, who was a 77-year-old woman, apparently asked Wagner to end her suffering, which, you know, I feel like a lot of people who actually are suffering do frequently because they just want it to be over with. So that's nothing out of the normal. However, unlike the majority of medical professionals, Wagner complied with the woman's request and injected a lethal dose of morphine into the woman's arm. Whoa. It was at this point, as the light left the older woman's eyes, that Wagner realized how much she really enjoyed having the power to choose whether a person lives or dies. It's always about that light going out in their eyes. It, it, why? I hate, like, whenever I've held my animals as they've died, I hate it. It's the worst. Like, I've held... I've never done that. I don't want to do that. That sounds awful. It is horrible. I have done it way too many times. Um, okay, back on topic. And her killing spree began. Wagner was apparently a natural-born leader. She was charismatic, charming, and manipulative. And she used these traits to enlist the help of three other nurses in her sympathy killings. First to join was Maria Grubber, who was at the time 19, a single mother and a nursing school dropout. It always throws me off that they're, that because you hear about like angels of death and you hear about like how somehow they're able to get other people to do it too. Mm-hmm. That it always blows my mind. Well, and that's coming back to the charismatic because yeah. it. Like a whole yeah, lot of serial can... killers, if you've got that personality, people are drawn to you, even if they don't necessarily want to be. Yeah, and I can kind of see the way that she could be like, oh, they're suffering. Yes. You don't want people to suffer, right? Yes. Like that And especially to a young, impressionable 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing, same thing for the next girl. The next girl was 21 years old. Her name was Irene Ladoff. Uh, she was married, and she was apparently looking for just any excuse to stay away from the house. When was this? 1983. Okay. Okay. So not only was she charismatic, she's also around, like, the same age as them. Yep. She was slightly right. older than these two women. Right. But finally, we're going to get to this last member of the group. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Mayer, who was a divorced grandmother who had just immigrated from Yugoslavia. Oh. She was only 43, and she was a grandma, which just threw me, which I'm sure happens, but it threw me for a loop. My mom's... Hold on. <laughs> How old are you, Mom? Forgot what year it was for a second. My mom's only 47, and Noah is seven, Yeah, so you had so. a young... Your mom was a grand... A young grandma. Yeah. So, I'm not saying it's weird. It just threw me for a loop. <laughs> I know, because, you know, normally you hear grandma, and you think, like, oh, it's a 70, 80-year-old Yeah. Woman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily think, you know, young, not even middle-aged. Yeah. Okay. As one source put it, this is word for word... Together, the four women turned the nurse's ward into their own lethal concentration camp. Oh, shit. Yeah. The 
They initially began killing their patients with overdoses of morphine, insulin, and tranquilizers. So their victims, hopefully, just looking at the list of what they used, did not really suffer that much before their deaths. It was kind of like a peaceful, don't feel any pain type thing. Yeah, I know with morphine, maybe. I'm not so sure about... uh, I'm not so sure about the insulin, but I know tranquilizers do the same thing. Hmm. Because Leo was feeling no pain when we had to have him on tranquilizers. But these sympathy killings quickly turned into just blatant murder as the slightest annoyance to the women would set that patient up to be killed. These annoyances could be a patient who snored too loud, complained too much, soiled the bed, refused to take their medication, or even if they just buzzed the nurse's station for help. Like, these patients would literally get on the women's kill list for simply asking for help. <laughs> like, you're, you're putting people on your kill list for them asking you to do your job. Sure. They then began torturing their patients. They wanted to see their victims suffering and grasping for life. That's, wow. Wait until you hear it. One nurse would hold the head of their victim. Another would pinch the victim's nose shut. The third would hold the tongue down with a stick, and the fourth would pour water down the victim's throat until they drowned. What? They enjoyed this because they're, they would struggle. The patients would seriously struggle. What the fuck? And there, there was some logic to this method that they adopted. The lungs of elderly patients apparently would frequently fill with water. So if water was found on the lung during an autopsy, it wouldn't be seen as odd and it would make it difficult to determine the actual cause of death. Wow. Unlike, you know, morphine, insulin, and tranquilizers where you can note where there's high levels in the body. But there's no bruising from them being held down? Well, if they're old, you've got to think about it. You get bruises from just about anything. Yeah, but if you're literally being held down, you got, like, hand marks, right? If they're holding the head. I'm just reading what I was told. I'm just reading what I was told. I know, I know, (laughs) I know. It took five years of this happening before the hospital began suspecting something was wrong. Five years? Five years. Workers at the hospital even began calling Pavilion 5 the Death Pavilion. Oof. And how they finally came to this conclusion the woman frequented a bar after work which you know that's completely normal go ahead right but then they would talk and laugh about the day's events in particular the struggles of the victims their faces as they were dying and taking their last breath who they were going to kill the next day and in february of 1989 a doctor who was also in the bar overheard the women giggling and discussing their latest murder, a woman named Julia Drapal, who had refused to take her medicine. The doctor took what he heard and told the police, and on April 7th, the four women were arrested. That's so wild. That lasted for so long, and they would not have been caught if that doctor hadn't been Had there. not overheard them, yet. Oh, my God. Um, that same month, Dr. Xavier Pinsedorfer, I hope so, 
was suspended for failing to launch an investigation into the unusually large number of deaths in his wing when rumors had surfaced years before. Understandable. Understandable, but also, at a news conference, I don't know if it was that same day, that same month, but Dr. Pinsendorfer defended himself saying that he had alerted authorities, doctors, and supervisory nurses, and that he had ordered autopsies as soon as suspicions arose. So, I mean, he was like, what more could I have done? Fair. Yeah. Yeah. So. I thought he was just, like, hanging out. No. (laughs) He was like, hey, I think there's something going on here. Well, he did claim that those killed were not victims necessarily of the system, but victims of crimes that could not have been anticipated or prevented. Mm. Uh, Which I don't necessarily agree with. The, right. the anticipated part, yes. No one really wants to think that a nurse is going to just off someone. Right. right. You know, you think nurse, help. Help. Yeah. Nurse, you help. don't think nurse, oh, I'm dead. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So during their trial, the four women confessed to the murders of over 49 people in the span of six years. Wow. Wagner herself confessing openly to 39 of them being her own doing. The three other women agreed and said Wagner committed most of the murders on her own. As the trial went on, Wagner became more and more reluctant to share how she participated in the tri- in the trillings, in the killings, while her counterparts began to point fingers at her for many more killings in an attempt to save themselves. Wagner then retracted her confession and decided that she had only committed 10 murders tops. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, okay. In 1991, the women were convicted. Wagner with 15 murders, 17 attempted murders, and two counts of assault, and was given life in prison. Wow. Ladolf was convicted of five murders and life in prison. Mayer and Grubber were convicted of manslaughter and attempted murder. Mayer was given 20 years in prison and Grubber 15. While the women only confessed to 49 murders, it is estimated that they killed at least 100 elderly patients, and there is an unofficial count of at least 200 200 deaths by their hand, with the number reaching to possibly 300. Holy shit. I mean, yeah. Like, think about how many people nurses see in a day. Yeah. And how long they were doing it yeah they were doing it for six years so that 49 seemed really low to me like really low apparently life in prison is rough after only a few years mayor and grubber were released then in april of 2018 wagner and ladolf were released it is rumored Mm mm-hmm It is rumored that the four women have changed their names and are still living in Austria under their new aliases. That's what I hate. Well, one of the many things I hate about, like, the prison system in almost any country is that people can get out so early for doing such heinous shit. And there was such an uprising in 2008 when Wagner and what was her name, Ladolf got out because it made them 
start to question whether their life imprisonment lasting only 15 years, if that was actually, you know, good enough for the for crimes that were committed. Yeah. People. No. So, I mean, logically, no it's, no, it's not. Life in prison means until they die. But it is expensive to keep someone in prison. Ugh. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of get both sides of it. But also, don't release the criminal back to the public. Unless they have had, like, extreme therapy, genuinely realize what they've done is wrong, and have to make consistent checkups for mm-hmm. the rest of their fucking life. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. That and many fucking people? Are you kidding me? Ugh. Uh, yeah. And that was my story of the Lands Angels of Death. Wow. And I wanted to find more. I wanted to find more in-depth detail stuff, but there was not a whole lot. That was good, though. Yeah, I liked it. What's your story? Oh, wait. Tatsalverm. 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 Okay. Like I said, I'm doing the Tatsalverm. 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 So my sources are Wikipedia. Theculturetrip.com, uh, allaboutdragons.com, Ooh. cryptids.fandom.com, anomalien.com. Yay! Same one! Yeah. Um, unexplained 347 strange sightings, incredible occurrences, and puzzling physical phenomena by Jerome Clark. I just used a snippet from it, but it seems interesting. Yeah. And wormwoodchronicles.net. Oh my god! Wormwood Chronicles. Chronicles? Yeah. Oh, it sounds cool, right? <laughs> it does. I think that actually is a book series. Oh, there's a Spiderwick Chronicles. I don't know about a Wormwood Chronicles. Hold on. I'm Googling because I thought it was an actual series. Yep. Hmm. It's a comic book series. The Chronicles of Wormwood. Hmm. Literally, wormwoodchronicles.net. <laughs> All right, then. So, Totsilverm. Real quick, I want you to Google Totsilverm. And look at the pictures. Totsilverm. The Totsilverm is a lizard-like creature that's been seen in several areas of Europe and in multiple forms. It's originally seen in Switzerland, but has been seen in the Austrian, French, and Italian Alps. Woo! Yes, it also has many names depending on where it's, like, seen. I'm gonna try to list all of these out, and don't judge me, because I looked a lot of these up and it did not help. Okay. It's quite a list. Okay, so we've got... Arasas, Bergstutz, Bergstutzen, Dazzleworm, Dazzleworm, Prozzleworm, Pretzelworm, Springworm, Stolenworm, Stolworm, and Stutzen. Stutzen. Yes, or in English that translates to Dragon of the Alps. But of course, the most common name is Totzelworm, which of course literally means worm with claws, you know. Cat worm, cat, cat worm. <laughs> shh, Rachel, shh. I haven't even gotten there yet. So here's how it's been described. The body's like a stubby lizard, like a mixture of a dragon, a snake, or a worm, like with either two to six feet, measuring from around one to seven feet in length. They've been described as having like a cat-like face and large bright eyes, mm-hmm. but its body is covered in scales instead of hair, and there are sometimes ridges, ridges, ridges along its back. It's thought that it may be able to change the thickness of its skin because in some of the stories, the skin is more stuff, stuff, more Stiff. soft oh. and easy to pierce, but in others, it says that skin is like rough and like impenetrable. Or there's different types. 
there was a thing that said there were two types um but i lost it oh. so okay well um next time next time what do you mean next time <laughs> <laughs> next time we cover the pretzel worm i don't think that's gonna happen again <laughs> so again it varies so much in description in some stories it seems like there's a head no neck shoulders and arms or i guess legs salamander a long snake-like body we'll get into that later You're look look getting ahead of me just knock you it t- off you told me to look at pictures i'm looking at pictures one of these pictures it straight up looks well, like a salamander looking at pictures now okay <laughs> <laughs> continue so, like i was saying in some stories it seems like there's a head no neck shoulders arms or legs like only two like mm-hmm. front no no hind legs except it it's got a, a long snake like body but in others it's like a head long neck sort of hind legs and then some more tail and then others it's got extra legs i don't know half the sightings say like dragon like creature and the other other say like cat like lizard so mm-hmm. cat like lizard Cat-like lizard, yeah. It's said to be nocturnal and burrows into dens that are supposed to be lined with their own shed skin. So it also does that. That is disgusting. Cool. Cool, cool. That is disgusting. I would love to have, you know how some people collect, like, snake skins? I would like a tulsal arm skin. Uh, no. I think it'd be cool. Okay. No. Um, it also hibernates in the crevices of mountainsides. It's a dragon! It, it's a dragon. I mean, it's literally... It's, it's a literal dragon. Uh, it's shown cat-like behavior, so it licks itself clean, and it's super Aww. curious. Uh, when it attacks its prey, it hisses, and also makes this high-pitched shrieking noise while leaping through the air. It is the creature that my grandmother dreamed I was walking on a leash. Cool. Yeah. It can also leap really long distances... Its blood is also said to be green and made of acid, and its breath is poisonous. Lovely. Yes. Lovely. Okay, so let's get into the sightings. There seemed to be some confusion about when the first sighting really was. Most of my research indicated that the sighting started in the 17 or 1800s. Mm-hmm. And, like, most of those were on Wikipedia. But one of the first stories um, on the Totzelwurm that I found is that of Heinrich von Winkel. Winkel? Winkel Reed. I don't know. Winkel Reed. It's Winkel. Winkel. Winkel Reed. I don't know. Winkel Reed. Yeah, that's why I didn't say it like that. <laughs> I could be. Winkel Reed. It's like. It's like a dumb, like, insult that kids say on a playground or some shit. Yes, it is. <laughs> Winkel Reed. Dumb. So. He was a convicted criminal who allegedly squared off against a dragon-like serpent that was terrorizing a villi- the village of Unterwalden on Mount Pilatus during the 14th century. Okay, Mount 1300s. Platypus. No. <laughs> Von Winkelried fought the beast, and in exchange, he earned his freedom. Unfortunately, he celebrated this by raising his sword high above his head and a drop of the creature's blood fell on him, and when it touched his skin, it killed him instantly. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Saw that. Yep. Yeah. 
There wasn't another sighting until 1660 when a man named Andrea Rodoner encountered a four-legged cat-faced mount mountain dragon on Mount Wengers Wengersberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Switzerland and when it reared up on its hind legs he saw that it became as tall as a man with boar-like bristles running down its back oh my yeah also in Switzerland there were two more sightings um, there's the first by Johann Bueller who saw a four-legged lizard with like a crest on its head mm-hmm and the second by 70-year-old uh, Johann Egerter. Egerters. Sure. On Mount Camor, he described it as a dragon with an enormous head and two forelimbs. When it exhaled its breath, the man said he was overcome with headaches and dizziness. Ew. Yeah. It's rough. Ew. Uh, Ew. In 1711, also in Switzerland... Residents uh, in the town of Howillen, 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 sure, began complaining that <laughs> began Howl. complaining that their cows' udders were being mysteriously sucked dry. Yep, um, <laughs> I'm I'm sh- I'm so sure that that is what's happening. Yep, yeah, yep. a man, mm, a man named. J- Jean Tinner encountered this creature describing it as a cat-headed serpent with a black-gray body and no legs, measuring seven feet or more in length. He went to the police saying that he had shot it with a musket. No creature matching that description was found, but the incident stopped after the creature was killed. I guess the town got their milk back. Good for them. Good for them. I mean, cats like milk. Yes. So... Not supposed to have milk, but yes. I don't yes. think it would suck a cow dry, though. No. Mm, definitely gross. not. Um, in the summer of 1717, the herb collector and root digger, Joseph... I'm gonna say Joseph. Scherer? Scherer. And his son were at the foot of a mountain when suddenly the boy shrieked. Oh. Now, that's not good. He, no. When he ran over to his son, the boy was obviously terrified... When Joseph looked at what what frightened his son, he saw a cat-like creature with huge, wild, sparkling eyes under the rock hissing at them. He tried to shoo it away, just thinking it was a cat, you know. But then it stirred and came out from under the rock. He described it as uh, with having four short legs armed with claws carrying... Carried... This is so weird. Okay, so it says... Four short legs, armed with claws, carried a spotted body, which was covered all over with scales, and was about as thick as a half-filled pitcher. That, as thick as a half-filled pitcher. 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 Like a water pitcher. Yeah. That doesn't, yeah, okay. I know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's why I had to read it like that because it just sounds so weird. Half filled pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a glass half empty or glass half full <laughs> kind <Pitcher>. of person? <laughs> Are you a pitcher half full or a pitcher half empty? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the animal whipped its long tail excitedly side to side, like seeming like like thinking it would soon attack. Mm. Joseph stabbed the animal with a sharp stick. Oh my! Apparently. 
The skin was so easy to pierce that it was like a slab of butter. Oh, he shish-kebobbed the butter cat worm. The butter cat. <laughs> the butter cat. The butter Unfortunately, cat. Unfortunately, uh, stinking green blood shot out of the wound and a few drops landed on his leg, Oof. which swelled up massively, Oof. so he had a limp home. Bad allergic reaction. Yeah, right. It took a month for the wound to heal, and everyone was convinced that he had killed a dragon, although it was only, like, two feet long, so it was probably a baby one. (laughs) It's Salamander! (laughs) In 1779, a man named Hans Fuchs was walking in the mountains one day when he was startled by two creatures. Oh, in one, I mean, there's another version saying that he was a farmer and he heard his pigs squealing and came running only to find them attacking his pigs. There is a picture of that. Yes. Which yes. is why I think I believe that one more. Yep. Because, you know. Picture. Um, either way, shaken to the core, Hans is said to have run home to tell his family what he had seen. He told them that the creatures were five to seven feet in length with a winding serpent-like body. Mm-hmm. clawed front legs, and a large cat-like head. And then he immediately dropped over dead from a heart attack. Oh my, it scared him that bad. It scared him Jeez. so much that he had a heart attack. Jeez, okay. His, yeah, and his family actually painted a picture of this creature, and this is Attacking the a best pig. anecdotal evidence we have of the creature to this day. So mm-hmm. that pig picture, I The guess. pig, yep. People considered this creature to be 100% real, and in 1814, Samuel Studer actually wrote an article that was added to a travel catalog in which he described the creature as poisonous and harmful and to <laughs> resemble short, stubby serpents with a round head similar to a cat's and clawed feet. He wrote that it was believed to appear after hot, humid weather or when the weather is undergoing volatile change. Volatile change? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the article included two eyewitness accounts. In the first, in 1811, a schoolmaster uh, named Heinrich claimed to have seen a serpent-like creature with a cat-like head, a forked tongue, which is a new one, and two stubby feet that measured about six feet in length. Two stubby feet that measured six feet in length. (laughs) No, the creature, the whole creature, I think. That's just the way that they worded it. It was super weird. With a body um, about the thickness of a man's leg. Okay. Yeah. Um, For those who didn't, who can't see, I literally looked at my leg. <laughs> yeah, the whole time I was like looking down at my leg, I was like, mm. like okay. mm, that's not very thick. That's that's snake sized, if that. I don't know. I got a, I got, I got thick thighs. Yeah, but I'm thinking man's leg. Which is definitely thinner than... Men have thick legs, too. Depends on what men you're talking about. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the second story uh, was actually from a few years before... Before. From a few years before. Fuck. Before. In the lands of before. Before. A man named Hans Curly. 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 I don't know. Claimed to have seen... And killed a small, this one's sad, a small hairy stolen worm carrying ten of its young. Oh. Yeah. Like a possum. Uh, 
Yeah, Studer legit. Do kids still say legit? <laughs> Don't ask me. Okay. Um, Studer offered a bounty to anyone who would supply him with the remains of an authentic Stalin worm. In 1828, a peasant found the body of a Totzelworm in a dried up marsh, but by the time he managed to bring it home, crows had apparently eaten half of the creature. Oh no. Yeah. No. I mean, crows do back- do that. I know. Which is why it's partially believable. Yeah. By the time the skeleton was taken back to his town so they could decide what to do with it, unfortunately, all trace of it was lost. Oh, of course. Yeah. In the 1830s, there was a girl who worked on a farm who was chopping down bean poles and accidentally disturbed a worm burrow and was attacked. Oh, I'm sorry, I was going to make a joke about bean poles until you said she was attacked. Oh, she's fine. Okay. I mean, she's dead now, but... (laughs) But she was fine. But she was fine then. Jesus. (laughs) She's dead now. She's dead now, but... I mean, maybe. We don't know her. We don't know her. She could be living in the afterlife. I mean, that's still dead. (laughs) That's the afterlife. Still dead. Continue. (laughs) <laughs> it's a new <laughs> She described it as being gray and about the size as a regular house cat, but with no hair and only two front legs with rounded ears and large glowing eyes, like so bright that they were almost blinding. So she ran. Okay. Yeah, she said there were like stars. It's weird. That's and the, the whole. And the stars were story. in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. The Tothelworm actually appeared in a Bavarian hunting manual titled uh, New Pocket Guild of the Year 1836 for Nature, Forest, and Hunting Enthusiasts. So people were taking it very seriously. It was also in other almanacs and manuals. There were, like, there were some people who were skeptical, but honestly, so many people were invested in it and really believed in this creature. Swiss naturalist Friedrich von Schundy was Schundy was convinced of the reality of the creature and wrote in 1861, "The belief is widespread that there exists a sort of cave worm." which is thick, three to six feet long, and has two short legs. It appears at the approach of storms after a long, dry spell. Many honest and respectable people swear that they have seen it with their own eyes. Mm-hmm. In July 1883 or 84, not quite sure, Casper... The Friendly Ghost. No, K-A-S-P-A-R. Oh. Arnold saw a worm in Austria. He watched it from a mountain restaurant for 20 minutes and was certain it only had two legs. I mean, from a distance. It was from a distance. I'm not too sure on this one. But I figured I'd add it anyway. Also in Austria, in the summer of 1921, two witnesses said that a two-legged Totzelwarm leapt two feet in the air towards them, and they described it as two to three feet long with the head of a cat. Seems to be the consensus. Yeah. In 1924, a five-foot-long skeleton was allegedly found by two men who said it resembled a lizard's. 
I couldn't find anything else about this other than that it was lost somehow. Um, of course. How do you lose a five foot long thing? I don't know. I mean, that's like losing a a person. I mean, yeah. <laughs> In 1929, an Austrian school teacher reported seeing a tasselworm. He said, quote, I started to look for the entrance to the cave. Suddenly, I saw a snake-like animal sprawled on the rotting foliage that covered the ground. Its skin was almost white, but not covered by scales, but smooth. The head was flat, and two very short feet on the forepart of the body were visible. My Totsilberm did not have large claws, but short and atrophied looking. His length did not exceed 40 or 45 centimeters. Most probably, the Totsilberm is a very rare variety of salamander living in moist caves and only rarely coming to the light of day. This is the part where it said that there were two different types of Totsilberm. Because there's this one that was like the lighter colored one that was totally smooth, but almost every other version it's this like hairy thing like dark colored not hairy but uh, scaly. Uh, scaly scaly yeah and it didn't have a flat head it had a cat head the amphibious tasselworm versus the reptilian tasselworm yes so um he said it kept staring at him and when he went to capture it it moved with the agility of a lizard so really fast disappearing into a nearby hole. He did say it looked a lot like giant salamanders. I mean... Salamander. I mean, those things get really big. Oh, I know. I'll talk about it later. Yeah. In the 1930s, Dr. Gerard Wenzmer and Hans Fulcher spoke with 60 witnesses who oh claimed to have seen this Totselberm. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. They all said... <laughs> They all said that what they saw was one to two feet long, cylindrical in shape, with a tail ending abruptly. It had a large, blunt head that grew directly into the body with no narrowing in the neck area. (laughs) No neck. No neck. No neck, all body. So, the eyes were also large, and the body was scaled, and it hissed like a snake. Lovely. In 1954, a Swiss photographer named Balkan claimed to have accidentally photographed a Totselworm in Switzerland, saying that he thought it was actually just an interesting-looking log, until the flash went off and it slithered away really fast. That's a good log. That That's a nice log. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Okay, donkey. Um, yeah, most people now consider this photo to be a faked image of a ceramic fish. Which oh. you'll probably see looking on Google. I don't... But I already closed it. <laughs> oh, well. Well, I'm not sharing my screen, so... Okay. This picture was so popular at the time that it led uh, a Berlin magazine to start an expedition to look for the animal. Oh. However, the expedition was stopped quickly and interest was lost in the creature. In the 1960s, it said that the Geneva Institute of Science received the donation of the skeleton of the Totselworm. No one knows who donated the evidence, and no one has ever seen the evidence, except one photographer who was able to see the skeleton and took a picture, which was released in the Geneva newspaper. It was like a long snake-like creature with two clawed arms and a large, like, like larger than normal-sized head. Mm-hmm. Again, the skeleton was lost. It's Again. unknown whether the story is true, but many people think it's a hoax. Yeah. 
In the summer of 1969, a local man reported a 30-inch long animal with two hind legs in Italy. Oh. But it seemed to be inflating its neck. Like, you know how some, like, lizards and frogs do? They're like, oh. It's mating. It's the mating signal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Similar creatures have been reported from France and Italy. There's even been a report of what sounds like a tonsil worm from Denmark in June of 1973, but I couldn't find the story on that one. Okay. In 1990, two naturalists found the skeleton of a lizard-like animal in the Alps near Domodossa, Domodossola, Italy. Giuseppe Costale saw a gray crested reptile moving in a zigzag fashion on Pisocronia in the same area on two occasions, the first in October of 1991 and the second in September of 1992. In 2000, a strange skeleton was forwarded to a local college. Some scientists said at the time that it was the first physical proof of what they were then calling the alpine tonsil worm. Mm-hmm. Along with the skeleton came a sizable donation. The original oh owner of the skeleton remains a mystery, and the law firm of Gunderhaus in Germany handled the donation and refused to divulge the name of the contributor or why the Geneva Institute was selected to be the recipient. Smell something fishy, but okay. Oh, wait. I think that's the same story as before. Sounds similar, yeah. Oh, no, that was in the 60s. That was, that was in the 60s. This was in the 2000s. 2000. The second skeleton. Cool. Yay. Cool. Just people gluing stuff together. Yay. Like the, what is it, the Fuji monkey? Or Fuji mermaid. Fuji monkey. Fuji mermaid. Yeah. In 2009, many reports were made in the Trecivio area of Italy near the Swiss border. The reports are of an agile bipedal lizard um, about a meter tall and two meters long. There was a student who had seen a creature around 2005, but nobody believed her. Mm-hmm. In 2009, she was re-interviewed and said, quote, I was not dreaming. I saw it clearly with my own eyes. It approached me walking on hind legs. The interior legs were very small. It resembled a prehistoric velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> and generally, it was like a monitor lizard. Yet, you know, while monitors move on all four legs, this yeah. one was upright and only had two. Yeah. Makes sense. Its back was nearly 80 centimeters, or 2 feet 8 inches, above the ground, with the head nearly a meter long. I guess it was one and a half, or so about 5 feet to 6 feet long. That's, that's pretty was, long. Yeah, it was not an iguana. It was, yeah. a, it was massive, and we pretty saw long. it running. So, authorities chalked most of the, these reports up to missing monitor lizards that had escaped their masters. Yeah, of course they did. Some of the oldest residents of Trevisio called the creatures by a different name, though. They called them a basilisk. Oh, basilisk, Harry Potter. For the tonsil worm. Yep. The tonsil worm sightings have continued to present day, though, and a German cryptozoological research, Ulrich Magin, has published several articles um, in different magazines and including his own magazine documenting them. And continues to do so. So, this is the theories section. I didn't write down all of the theories because they were a lot. A lot. Salamander. 
Uh, one of them is salamander, something that could be a relative of the Japanese giant salamander, which would make sense because if you look them up, they're large and they don't have any back legs. Legs, yeah. However, they are a little bit smaller than this thing and they can't walk. Oh, like, so they're like... They can't be like up. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, you they know, can't like, like snakes stand. Do. Yeah. Yes. The biggest one, I think, is, um, other than that one, is that it's a different kind of rare kind of salamander with characteristics resembling a gila monster. Okay. Mostly because um, of its preferred habitat or uh, of underground burrows and mountainous areas. They could also explain its, like, acid blood and awful breath because the gila monster is venomous. Mm Mm-hmm. Like... Definitely similar, not exact, and they aren't native to that region at all. It's just slightly different. So, like, yeah, someone just brought one over. Yeah, and it doesn't really look the same, and it's a oh. lot smaller. <laughs> well, I tried. Uh, another tried. theory is that it's a giant skink, but skinks aren't <laughs> native to the Alps. Um, there's also, I mean, the size, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, people tried to say it was an otter, despite the fact that it doesn't have hair, just scales, and otters Um, definitely have more than two legs. Unless it's an otter with mange and someone is just stupid and can't count. It's still not big enough. (laughs) I tried. Uh, There's a Mexican mole lizard, which it's it's too small, but I need you to look it up immediately. (gasps) It is so cute. Isn't it so cute? That is not thick enough, but that is... It's definitely not, but it is adorable, and I needed you to see it. That is so cute. I love it. Yeah, it is there was, so There were some other really weird theories, too, that people don't remember seeing it, and that's why there aren't, like, a lot of people who remember it, but that's just kind of, like, eh. Yeah. So. Uh, but, yeah, there was some extra stuff I could have added, but my story was getting long, so I cut it. And that's Tutsil Worm. The Tutsil Worm. Okay, I need everyone to go and look at the Mexican mole Mexican lizard. Mexican mole worm. It is mole fucking worm. adorable. It is so cute. It's I so love cute. It. Okay. <sighs> love it. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Myths and Misfortunes. Or Twitter at Myths Misfortune. Or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. We do pop up. You can also send us an email to mythsandmisfortunes at gmail.com. Fun story, our website is also mythsandmisfortunes.com. Check us out. Yes, she worked hard on that. Our theme I'm music- trying. <laughs> <laughs> our theme music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, all ten of you. That'd be great. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks, Mom. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait, also thanks, Dad. Bye. Bye.